Hey, y'all, it's Trina, and this is our hot topic. It is August, and you know what that means, parents? Y'all know, y'all feel me? It is back to school. Some of y'all are like, yay, the kids are gone. <sighs> you can breathe. Some of y'all are like, oh, no, my babies are going to school and transitioning. And, you know, all of those feelings are welcome here. No judgment, no shame. I just wanted to say that it's an important time for all of us. Our babies are going to school, whether that's at home or at a new place or public or private or whatever your choices are. But I know that this month when kids go back to school, it's really important that we affirm our children, that we lift them up and support them as they embark on this next year um, in their educational spaces. And one of the ways that I try to affirm my children is I utilize Parenting for Liberation's affirmation deck, but I'm bum plug. Did you know that Parenting for Liberation has the affirmation deck for black families? If not, check out our website, parentingforliberation.org backslash shop, okay, and get your copy of the deck. Um, but one of the quotes that has been supporting me over the journey of this work is by Danielle Moody Mills. Um, she wrote this in an op-ed called, Does the Revolution Begin with a Free Black Child? And the quote is, she asks a question, and this question kind of sits with me all the time, and I want to pose it to you all. The question is, what would the world look like if we allowed our black children to be as free as their white peers? If we encouraged their impulsiveness and inquisitiveness instead of telling them to be quiet, get in line, and follow instructions? Maybe, just maybe, we could have the blueprint for the revolution. So that question about our children having the ability to be just as free as their white peers, if not even more free, and what if we encourage them to ask questions, to challenge, to, to be curious, to explore? What if we encourage that instead of telling them to be quiet, comply, fall in line, listen to the rules, and shut up? What would be possible if our children had that freedom? What would be possible if our children had that support to explore? Maybe, as Danielle says, just maybe we would have the blueprint for the next revolution. And so as our children go back to school... How can we as parents encourage them and send them out into a world um, that is at many times a lot of these schools that we send them out into um, are intentionally trying to stifle them and limit how they speak and not allow them to be free? So how can we curate and cultivate liberation in our relationships with our children, in their relationship with us at home, and how can we support them as they go into these other spaces and demand and advocate for themselves to have access to liberation? Yeah? Um, also, if you don't know, August is a lot of things. <laughs> There's a lot of holidays. August is also Black August. It is a time where we reflect on the legacies of Black revolutionaries who have been committed to fighting against white supremacy in its many forms. Um, and so we are also this month celebrating those revolutionaries, and we are tasked with developing our future generations of change makers, right? So as we cultivate our babies, they could be the next freedom fighters. And so how do we support them? Um, and develop them and making sure that they feel empowered, that their voice matters, that they can make changes and that what they believe, what they think, what they feel is righteous. Yeah. OK. Last but not least, did you also know that Black August or August is also Black Philanthropy Month? But I'm bum. Another plug. We currently are fundraising for August, if we get funds of $10,000 raised, we will get a match of $10,000 from one of our funders, the Drew and Lauren Holiday Social Impact Fund. So if you're out there and you have it in your hearts to give, 
please donate to Parenting for Liberation. This podcast, all the work that we do on the ground is in service of black communities. We are a nonprofit. So to donate to us, visit us at parentingforliberation.org backslash donate. Raising black children in the United States can be really scary. And as a black mother, I realized I was parenting from fear. And I wanted to make a commitment to parent for liberation. You are listening to Parenting for Liberation podcast. And I am your host, Trina Green-Brown. Each month, I'm joined by other black parents and we discuss our own journeys to push past our fears so that we can raise our beautiful black children to be whole, free, and liberated. Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed. Hey y'all, on this episode of Parenting for Liberation, we speak with Nia Eubanks-Dixon, the founder and creator of Creative Praxis, which is an art-based, healing-centered training organization for youth, educators, and community members working towards liberation. She is also a therapeutic, restorative community artist, international trainer, and a mother of two. It is back to school time, y'all, and so we're going to speak to her about the ways we can help our children understand boundaries, advocate for themselves in educational spaces, as well as helping our kiddos create their own safe spaces at home. Hey, Nia, welcome to the podcast. Greetings. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here and build with you and have this wonderful conversation about boundaries and creating safe space. So super excited. Yes. Thank you for reaching out to us and sharing, um, sharing your interest in talking to us, our audience um, and our people about these important topics. And I think it's so important as we are on our back to school journey. Um, So before we even get started and talking about these things, it's like, we're going to be talking about boundaries. So full pause, what are boundaries? (laughs) Um, How would you define them? Why are they important for children to learn and understand really early? And how can we as the adults in their lives, like model healthy boundaries and also respect their boundaries? (laughs) So that's our first question right out the gate, loaded with you know, excited to hear and learn from you. Yeah. So, um, so boundaries are basically actions and agreements that we set for ourselves um, that allow you or allow me and others to live healthy and whole lives. So I think that's the first thing is just remembering that these are actions and agreements that we set for ourselves um, that really center us living healthy and whole beings so that we can be in healthy relationships with ourselves, healthy relationships with others, and be in healthy relationship to the earth. Um, The next thing I would say about boundaries is that boundaries are really about the limits beyond you will not go and beyond which others are not welcome. So it's not just about the limits that others cannot come, but it's also about the limits that you set for yourself that you will not go. Um, And we set these boundaries really out of our own values, right? So making sure that we're clear with your I am, who am I? What do I value? What's important to me? What type of person do I want to be and live in this life? And it is out of that knowledge that we begin to set healthy boundaries um, so that we can, like I said, live in our whole self. Um, When I think about boundaries, especially with children and the importance of children being able to set boundaries or limits beyond which they will not go and the limits that others will not go, Um, 
we're really preparing them to be in a healthy relationship with themselves, a healthy relationship with other people, and a healthy relationship with the land. Um, and so it's important for parents um, as you grow and as you, you know, start with children that A, we model, you know, setting those boundaries for ourselves or so allowing our children to hear us, not only say no, but being no in intentional ways, right? So saying no and then not after saying no, giving an explanation or changing it to a maybe, um, that they see us model how important it is for us to be able to say you will not talk to me this way. And if I hear you talk to me this way, I will blah, 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 right? So that you're letting it be clear to them. And then they actually see you follow through is really, really important. And we model that for our children, that it's okay for me to set limits in which others cannot go beyond, others cannot hurt me, others cannot speak to me any old kind of way that they want. And on the flip side, it's important that our children know that likewise, you cannot cross into other people's bodies, land, you know, um, understanding without their permission. So when I think of it, it's really about making sure that young people and the families that we live in are able to live healthy and whole lives. And boundary is one of the key ingredients for us to be able to do that. Mm. Listen, you came through already dropping the gems. I'm like, so many more questions are coming out from that. Um, in particular, when I think about what you said around like, um, you will, like, I've heard that before. You will not talk to me this way. Um, and then like, and here's, you know, and here are the boundaries that I'm setting up. And I definitely heard that in my like, oh, I definitely heard a mama say that. or I definitely heard an adult say that to a young person. Um, and I know that, you know, we're talking about how do we support our young people, our children, our youth and having the ability to set those boundaries. And I, you know, I can hear a mama saying that or a parent saying that to a child. Um, I'm curious about how do we teach them and create opportunities for them to be able to set those boundaries as well for themselves like how do they create boundaries around their own bodily autonomy. Um, yeah, because a lot of us, you know, as black folks. I know growing up for myself, like I experienced trauma, like where my no didn't mean a no to people. My yes, mm -hmm. or my no might have meant a maybe to someone else, right? Yeah. Um, I was not confident in my no. My no wasn't received. Um, and also as young people, as a child, um, you know, we're often in the past not given the right to say no or not given the right to set boundaries. And so because of that trauma, um, how trauma that has, you know, lived before me that probably was in my community and my family, right, culturally, ancestrally, intergenerationally passed on. Um, mm -hmm. How does that trauma affect our abilities to understand, set boundaries, and then hold people to them? And how do we teach our young people to do that um, as parents who are sometimes struggling with doing it ourselves? Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, when we grow up in families, communities, and actually a country, right? Mm -hmm. We look at uh, the American history. We live in a country that violated boundaries, right? The, how still the, is to this still day. is to this day violating boundaries. And so there's been boundary violations that have happened. Um, and when someone experiences, you know, not being allowed, like you said before, to set healthy boundaries. And even if they do or they try to set healthy boundaries, those boundaries are often violated or crossed. And then sometimes people are punished 
young children can be punished. Black communities have been punished for trying to set up and maintain healthy boundaries um, for themselves. So I think one of the things that trauma does um, is it, first of all, um, it doesn't give you permission to know your power, right? To know that you have a right, that I am powerful, right? We were talking about the principles of Kwanzaa, that self-determination to be able to say, I am worthy, I am enough, and I am capable of not only setting my boundaries, but I, am main I can maintain those boundaries. And some of that, you know, especially with trauma that makes it challenging is in having a community of people who love you and support you that can help you to maintain those boundaries when those boundary violations have been crossed. Um, I think the other thing that trauma does, so one trauma is like, you know, sometimes it's not modeled and we don't feel that we can set boundaries or haven't really been given the tools to set boundaries. The other thing is that sometimes it causes boundary confusion um, where a child or a person may not really understand like this is my house or this is my body and that's your body. And so not being able to differentiate between those two worlds, like no, that's your stuff, that's not my stuff or no, that's my stuff and that's not your stuff. There's a great author, I can't think of the book now, um, it totally slipped on my mind, but the author talks about the difference between know, knowing a load versus a burden. And I feel like oftentimes what happens in uh, traumatic families or in um, trauma situations is that um, children and adults, frankly, struggle between knowing what's a load. And a load is something that you can carry, it's yours, and then where it's a burden and you need support. So either a person who's experienced trauma might feel the need to take on everybody's loads, like, no, it's me, you know, I did this, how can I support you? Or a person who's constantly don't want to hold nothing because there's so much trauma in their cup that they're always trying to pour into other people um, because they don't want to cope with what's going on in their cup. So like I said before, there's often a lot of boundary confusion that can happen um, as an impact of trauma, both on an individual level, but also in the community level as well. And I think, you know, when we talk about then, so what does that mean for our kids? What does that mean, excuse me, for our children? Mm -hmm. And how do we help our children, um, maybe who have experienced trauma or who children who have experienced stress or just children in general, how do we help our children begin to set those boundaries? And I think the first thing, at least for me as a mom, as a parent, and as someone who um, does this work regularly with children, really all over the world, is I start off first with helping young people to understand their own body power. That's what we call it, a creative praxis. And that's really being able to name and claim and notice their body, right? So taking moments, there's a, a great affirmation um, that we use at Creative Praxis that uh, comes from Vincent um, uh, Scott, Vincent Thomas, excuse me, who says, you see these hands? These are not your hands. They are mine. They are all mine. Um, or the affirmation goes, you see this body? It is not your body. It is my body, all mine. Having words like that that really allow young people to stop and to remember, like, this is my 
body. It is mine, all mine, my shoulders, my neck, my hair. Um, and then also to be in community where young people can hear other young people and peers say, again, this is mine, it is not yours, sets up body autonomy, sets up body um, agency and body power. So I would say the first thing is really helping young people to own their body power, to help them to notice, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? To be able to articulate that, to be able to express it. Um, I think the other thing that we do to really help children set healthy boundaries is for them to be okay or for us as adults to be okay with um, children saying no and helping children to practice saying no, right? So one of the exercises that we do with uh, young people, and this is from three years all the way to teenagers, is we have young people stand in a line and they just practice saying no. And you'll find that people giggle and they laugh and they hard to make eye contact. And when we ask them why, and they say, well, because A, as children, no one takes our no seriously. Um, we feel like we're gonna hurt people's feelings, especially when you, when you talk about power dynamics, right? Because sometimes setting boundaries is hard when you have that power, the issue of power, right? Especially power over. Um, so really helping young people to understand power, understanding power within, but also helping them to practice saying no, 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 no. Um, the more we do that and the more we help our young people to practice saying no, and not no in a way that's disrespectful, not no when someone's asking you to do something that you know is not against or doesn't violate your values. Um, but when you need to say no, when someone is being disrespectful to you or going against your core values that you set. Um, I think the last tool that I'll give is to help young people to, to know their values, what's important to them, and to be able to name that and articulate that very early on. Mm. Man, you are speaking to me on so many of these points. I'm like, wait, was this for the kids? Was this for the children? Because <laughs> I was for, like, I mean, really, it, this it, is for know. everybody. It's for everybody. And, you know, for me, when we teach this, we teach it like when we do go into schools, we'll do something with the children, but also a part of being a good educator and of being a good parent or, you know, a whole parent is making sure that you set healthy boundaries. Because if you don't, your children will cross your boundary all the time. Right. Because people are like, cool, you don't got a boundary. I'm just going to come on this land and I'm going to take whatever I want and then I'm going to leave. But setting that also is healthy for parents and healthy for people, because at the end of the day, this is about how do I be in a great relationship with myself, with God, with others and the land. And if I let you come over into my property and take, 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 take. Or if you violate me and you come over to my body and you take, 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 I cannot be a healthy and whole human being. And that's why boundaries are important, both for children and for adults. So true. I mean, huh, child, you over here reading me a little bit. <laughs> You're reading me in terms of um, a couple of things that you shared that definitely resonate with me and I can see myself in the mirror that you're reflecting and I appreciate it. One is around the way that trauma impacts the way that we either, um, you talked about this author. Now I want to know about the load versus the burden, right? Um, 
And I find myself, you know, saying yes to so many things. Yes, I can do that. Oh, you need that help. Oh, I got it. Oh, I can help. I want to help. I'm yeah. I'm a servant. You know, not in the not not a servant. I'm a service leader, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do this work for a community, for the people, right? And so there's a way that the people and the big big capital T capital P, right, for my people, that I sacrifice myself so much. I sacrifice rest. I sacrifice time and slowing down and saying no and getting a pause right and so I think in this moment even this in this moment that resonates so much so I I definitely am like yes creating a healthy relationship with myself is so important and like how do I model that for my child you know I really am grateful that my child (laughs) he's been raised in a liberated way for so long that I think that he could even see when I don't know how to say no but he can say no and so I Mm -hmm. you know I've been able to see that and like learn from him you know and it's been great um because one of the things you know as I was hearing it I remember I I had to learn really early on as a parent to kind of let go of some of my expectations for my child and let them be themselves right and so Mm -hmm. one of the ways that I had to learn was something very superficial um but it was like one of my opportunities for me to witness my child as a young person setting boundaries for himself that I had to um, affirm and mm-hmm. not cross and not continue to try to push past his boundary. Yeah. Um, right. And, and and that for me was a lesson in like, okay, if I want this child to be liberated, I have to allow his liberation, even if it don't look like what I thought liberation would look like for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so it was something that was like, literally, it was so superficial. I'll tell you a little story. And then like, I would love for you to reflect. It was something so it was, um, about his closing, something like just surface. Right. There's a way that I believe in my past, right, when I was still on my journey to, like, coming to, what, like, what does it mean to be a liberated parent, where, where I was still falling into the trap of respectability politics, which meant as a black person, as a black parent raising a black boy, that he had to be, he had to look a particular way. He had to be dressed a particular way because if he was dressed messy or, you know, disheveled or he was wrinkled or you know that that meant that I wasn't a good parent that meant that I didn't care about his appearance and appearance meant a lot to me back then mm-hmm. and he was this young boy who was just like mom just trying to play <laughs> like right. I'm dirty because I was having fun like my shoes is messed up because I was running in the in the dirt you know or you know I you know there was just this way like and then that like for example now he's older he's more mature and he has locks and I'm like oh well if you have locks they have to stay neat and they have to you have to, you have to keep getting them retwisted and you gotta get a haircut and he's like I'm like oh it's a holiday it's your birthday like let's get your hair relocked and he's like no I don't I don't really want it relocked like I'm, I, I like it the way it is like I like mm-hmm. I like it like this and I'm like oh but you know it's not neat you can't see your parts it's all fuzzy you know, all of that. And he's like, this is the way I like it. Like, and that's okay for me. I'm like, but what Mm -hmm. about this? And what about, you know, trying to push? And he's like, no, this is the way I like it. And I'm just like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and like his ability to kind of stand truly and like, this is, this is me. And this is how I want to represent myself and not me feeling like, well, I need you to represent yourself a particular way. And I know that probably feels so shallow. um, But it was the, it was an early opportunity for me because he had a very particular style and a particular, like the way he wanted to dress. And I was just like, whoa, this is not what I thought, but okay. And I think like those small act, those small opportunities for him to state his boundary and for me to respect it makes it possible for him now as a teenager to state boundaries and for me to respect them. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just wanted to share that for any parents out there who are like, oh my God, my kid's going to run the house. It's not about running the house or running you as a parent, it's about them having the ability to say, this is what I want for me and my body. 
Right. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Like, you know, and children will try it. You know what oh, I mean? Like I have a, yeah, a they, funny story. They so will. my <laughs> my son, you know, we we do that affirmation pretty regularly. You see these hands, you know, and we go through all of it. Um, and so we were eating, um, and this is something small, but it, a, it taught me that he was listening and then B, it was just like you trying it. But, um, I was like, you know, we were talking about eating vegetables and I was explaining to him like, you know, why it's important for us to eat the vegetables. And he looked at me and he was young. He must've been like five, maybe even four. And he looked at me and he was like, mommy, do you see this brain? And I was like, I see your brain. And he was like, and do you see this body? And I was like, I see your body. So what might be good for your body might not be good for my my body. <laughs> oh, he was trying and it. I was like, he tried oh. it. <laughs> I was like, you right, you right. <laughs> and there's some universal things that can help both of our bodies grow. But I think what that taught me is that like it's starting to make sense. And I think with children, you bring, you bring up a really good point. It's like some people do say when we set boundaries or when our children start to set boundaries um, that it's going to, they're going to be running the house. It's not about running anybody. Like that's opposite of what setting boundaries is about. Setting boundaries is really about, I'm going to say it again, helping ourselves and our children live whole lives, to be able to be in a healthy relationship with themselves, a healthy relationship with others, their spirituality and the earth. So sometimes that means as parents, like we know that our children are gonna go out there into the world very soon. They're not gonna be with us forever. And we wanna make sure that they're able to, A, to set their own boundaries, right? To know the line in which they will not go but again, also to know the line in which they are not welcome, because likely they also need to know when someone else is saying no, when someone else is saying don't come, that they can also respect other people's boundaries. It's not just about them being able to set boundaries for themselves. It's also teaching them how to respect other people's boundaries. And the first person they got to respect is yours. The first person that they got to understand they cannot cross is the people that live in their household. Um, so I think it's really important that when we have these conversations that we remember that we are preparing them to go out into the world. Um, and to do this, we need to make sure that they not only set boundaries, but I think the other thing is like, how do we help them to maintain those boundaries? And then thirdly, like when people cross it, right, when you've been violated, what do you do? Because if we don't tell our children, what do you do when someone violates that boundary, then we also set up our children to fail, right? So they also need to know that this is what happens when someone violates your boundaries. Because again, teaching them that is giving them a sense of body power and knowledge power. So the first one is body power. And then the second one is knowledge power. How do we help our young people have the knowledge and the understanding of when someone violates your boundaries, what do you do? Okay, so tell us, what do they do? So I think some of it with uh, it is one for they, they need to know that they have a solid support system. They need to know that you are here, that you are team, whoever your child is, right? So my children is Indigo and Citizen. They know that I am team Citizen. I am team Indigo. They know emphatically, like, they can come to me and we are going to ride this out together. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the other thing that needs to happen is a place for them to talk about what happened. What happened? How are you feeling about what happened? Having something, so if someone crossed their boundaries, being able to not only vocalize it, but also put them in a position where they can physicalize it, right? So it doesn't get that that boundary violation doesn't get locked in their body. It could be taking a self-defense class. It could be yoga. It could just be helping them to get back into their bodies. So again, it's like having that good support system, helping them to talk about it, what happened, um, and then knowing that there's a path forward, like there's something that we're going to do about it, that it's not just going to be action, but that there's something that we can do, there's something that you can do um, that is going to help with making sure that this doesn't happen again. I love it. This is great. And, I, you know, you're exactly right in terms of like having a safe space to process it, having a safe space to land, which is why it's so important, parents, for us to be that safe space. We have to have practice with our children before they go out into the world um, and ability to be accountable if we ever cross their boundaries. Yeah. Because they yeah, have yeah. to know that we honored their boundaries. Because I'm going to admit, we're not going to always get it right. We're not always going to get it perfect, no, yeah, yeah, right? Never. So we yeah, might cross yeah. our boundaries. And so we have to be able to be like, when they call us in or call us out, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. You didn't deserve and that. Yeah. And also to be able to talk to them about when they cross yours. Oh, yes. So it's child. both. You know what I mean? So because <laughs> our children cross boundaries all the time. All the time. Because they're learning. To, they're learning. They're learning. Right. And I'm learning. So I tell my children, you're learning and I'm learning, too. Um, but to be very, very clear with them about, you know, what my and I'm very clear with my own children about that. Um, and I have I've had to learn like no as a full sentence, right? Because I found myself saying no and because then explaining and because and, yeah. and it's just like no, absolutely not. Like stop doing that. No mm. is it, and I walk away. Mm. No and is then a if full you don't sentence. Respect, no is a full <laughs> sentence. Full stop. Period. Full stop. No. Mm. I gotta learn. And that a one. part of you, a part of you respecting a boundary with other people, is to know that's it. They said no. They said what they said. That's it. <laughs> they said what they said. The answer is no. Ashe. Period. Ashe. So that's, I think that's hard for us. It's hard for us to hear. I know when I hear people say no, I'm always like, well, why? Well, why? Right. <laughs> well, why would you say no to like, me? Well, like, well, what's the what? no about? Help me understand what's that it. No about? Help yeah. me understand. And sometimes people will give that to you, but to remember that they don't have to they don't have give to. you anything. And I think that's a hard uh, pill to swallow, especially when it comes to our children. So true. Um, is to hear them say, we had a, a funny story. We were at a at a carnival and our daughter had wanted some lemonade. And she was really excited about this lemonade and saved her money and uh, bought the lemonade and was really happy about it. And my husband wanted some and was like, you know, can I have some lemonade? And just proud of herself was like, no, daddy, I, I don't want you to have any of my lemonade. I really want this for myself. And in his tradition and growing up as a child, that would have got him in so much trouble. Um, and he was really upset. And it wasn't until like we reflected and everyone took a minute that it was like, we have to begin to teach her that it's okay for her to say no, because eventually she's going to turn 16 and she's going to be in a car and she's going to be dating 
And we have to teach her that it's all right in certain situations or in situations for her to say no. And so she has to be able to practice that with the people that she is the closest to and can potentially get in trouble with is her parents. So having that conversation is just like imperative, but it's hard because it pushes up against everything that we've been taught as a society, traditional things that, like you said before, has been passed down. Um, so yeah, it's just really important. So important. And I, and I, you know, I know people might hear that story and be like, well, she said no. Yes. And she has the right to say no. And I know that there's probably all these things. Cause even as you said it, I knew what, like she was definitely, when you said she saved her mind, I said, she said no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's her lemonade. And you know, right, I can, right. I can hear all the things, right. All the things come up like, you know, you got to learn how to share and that's stingy and da, da 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 And it's like, yeah, and you're right. When else will she have the ability to practice right. saying no? Because yeah. we want our children to be able to say no when a no is in their... Listen, when you got a no in your spirit, I want it to come out boldly <laughs> and loudly. You know, because I always am like, I have a yes in my spirit. That's what I always say. Oh, I got a yes in my spirit. And sometimes I need a no in my spirit. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes a strong, solid no needs to come out. Um, and right. that feels so important. And, you know, my kid is... is a teenager now and so adolescence is you know you gave this great example about preparing our children to not necessarily only be talking to us about their boundaries but other people and so our you know adolescence teenage is a time for like peer acceptance you know what I mean like mm -hmm. there's data and research about it's the time when like the peers matter and lord I am definitely learning that my little you know my little kid who, you know, chatted with me and told me all the things and we were friends and all that is like, oh, I got other friends, mom. Find you some mm -hmm. friends, right? Which is beautiful. It's it's the point of this point in the phase of life, right, where they begin to individuate and separate. But you gave a great point. It's like, how do we empower them to set boundaries with peers um, and potential romantic partners as they enter into that phase of their life? And then also, how do we how do we support them in making sure that they, as you have said earlier, respect other people's boundaries? Because we've, on the podcast, we've talked about consent and how that's so important in bodily autonomy and not just for our children with other people, but for our children as they interact with other people, how do they respect people's boundaries and like, and request consent and comply, you know, mm -hmm. comply. So, you know, what are tips and strategies, you know, for us who are entering into this, like, oh my goodness, our kids are not kids, they're tweens now, teens now, <laughs> and um, they're not going to tell us everything, maybe, and so, like, we want to make sure that we've cultivated the skill in them to say no, set boundaries, even when we're not present. Yeah, I mean, I know I said this already, I know people are like, oh, that's so simple, but it's like, I mean, we got to hear it over hard. and over, because it ain't like, easy. Practice, 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 practice. So true story, my mother, when I was, I think I must have been 12 or 13, um, she used to take us out into fields and we were able to practice screaming out no. Um, because as a black woman, um, she wanted me to be able to, and my other daughter, her other daughters, to be able to feel comfortable with saying no, especially in a society that often um, makes, you know, women feel like, you know, saying no is a violation in and of itself, that we have to say yes, we have to comply. Um, and she wanted us to say no. So we used to go out and just practice, no, no, no. And just these affirmations that she would have us do. And so one time I was coming home from school um, and I got on a bus. And for me, when I got off the bus, I had to go through like a, a parking lot but it was behind the building for me to get to like a path to get to our apartment complex. 
And I noticed that there was a car and it started to follow me. And I noticed that it was following me into that pathway where I was behind the building and no one could see me. And this is before cameras and all that stuff. So I walked, I started walking a little faster. I noticed that the car was moving faster. I turned around and I could see the gentleman looking at me like, you know, with kind of like a grin. So I kept walking. I started to run. The car sped up. And I was like, I'm not going to outrun him. Right. And I could just hear my mother's voice. No. I turned around and I started running in the direction to the car. No! The guy looked at me like, what the hell? Put his car in reverse and backed up. And I always thank my mom, like, religiously for that, for teaching me the power of no in my adolescent years. Mm. Because had that not happened, I don't know what the outcome would have been. Um, so I think when we talk about our peers, it's practice, practice, practice. I don't know if on my own, I would have had the strength to do that, but that was something that my mother drilled. No, no, no. Why do we say no? You know, she gave us permission, not ignorantly to say no to her, but for us to be able to start to set as we got older, more and more boundaries for ourselves. Right. So, and then practicing that and knowing that it was okay. Um, is really important. I think the other thing goes back to working with teenagers to make sure that they understand their values of what type of person that they want to be with, right? What type of peer friends do you want to have? And having that conversation, like what makes a good friend? You know, what, how, how does a friend value you and your, you know, and the things that are important to you? Because a part of that is like, if you say, I don't like this, or this, you know, this is uncomfortable for me, and your friend doesn't hear you and doesn't respect it, then the question that we have to ask is then, are you a friend? Um, if you, if you're not hearing me, um, and it also means that I have to, you know, as a parent, I have to teach my children again, you know, if someone is crossing the line, then you have to be clear on your own your own statements right so like if a your peer is yelling at you and we practice this right if someone is yelling at you and you say i want to hear what you have to say but i cannot hear you if you're yelling at me if you don't stop i will walk away what girl you know i'm just playing with you oh shut up me you're yelling at me and i don't like it if you want to continue in this conversation with me you will have to stop. If you don't stop, I will have to walk away. And then the next step is to teaching young people to have the power to do the action, which is walk away. Mm-hmm. And good. then people will know like, oh, damn, she ain't playing. Oh, she was serious about them. Oh, she was serious. And oh, if okay. you, and if when she says things like that, she's serious. So I think with, with me and my children, even some of the people like with my godchildren, we just practice it, practice it, have conversations, talk about our core values. Um, and then also I'm clear again in when they start to cross my boundary. And that's even with like curfew. Right. Mm. So if you are living in this house, bedtime, that's the boundary Put violation. Put that phone down and go Put the phone to sleep. down and go to sleep. In this house, these are the boundaries that we set up that match our core values. We value sleep in our household. Right. So sometimes like one of the things we just moved, we set up community agreements that mm -hmm. matched our core values as a household. And so the boundaries that were set up 
are based on the core agreements. And one of them is like, we value our health. So if we value our health and I come to you and I say, it's time for bed and you're not going to sleep, that's a boundary violation. And now we need to talk about what are the consequences of that violation. Yes, we do something similar, but it, you, what you, um, we do community agreements in our house as well. And what you're helping me also to add is that layer of like, our agreements are rooted in our values. Um, and we actually had to bring them back up recently because, you know, a teenager community agreements is different than a toddler or five-year-old yeah. community agreements. And he just was like, oh, my God, this process is so much. You're being so extra. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I was like, we need to be in agreement about how we want to interact with each other, how we want to relate to each other. And he just thought I was being so extra. I was like, you don't remember we did this when you were younger. <laughs> but teenage right, right, teenagehood right. is all and, about opposition. Yeah. That's also what I'm learning. It's just yeah, like, yeah, 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 ah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm like, yeah. it is. It's not extra. It's extra. Like, our relationship is extra important to me and how we run this, how we are in this house together is important to me and how we will be together beyond you living in this house. Like we have to establish, I was saying we have to establish agreements, but it sounds like I was also asking for us to establish some boundaries about how we want to respect each other, talk to each other, respond to each other, you know, in this, in this, in this house together. Yeah. And this new phase. And I think that's the beautiful thing about boundaries is that it's never a wall. So it's not this rigid thing that you put up. Right. Um, because then you can't see, so if you put a wall up and it's like, nobody can come in, you can't see anything. And that's not beautiful. You know, that's not the beauty of living, right? So it's not about putting up walls. It's really about putting up solid fences around us and to still be able to see the beauty of life and to know that, you know, as you change and your values change and you get older, that the boundaries that you set for yourself in your 20s may not be the boundaries that you set for yourself in your 30s, may not be 40, all the way up until, you know, you transition. At each phase of life, we set new boundaries. And as children grow, each phase of life, they're going to set um, new boundaries. I think the, the, the challenging part with teenagers is that as they're trying to you know, get their autonomy and they're moving out and they're feeling themselves is just helping them to find that balance um, between those two worlds of, of what you were just saying with your son. Like just now I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. What are you talking about, mom? You're making this so challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what we find, at least what I find is that once they get a little bit older, you'll start noticing and hearing them say that themselves, right? So it's like, oh, you did hear me. You were listening. That is a part of your values of how we set agreements Definitely. together. It's like the next day. So one of the things I'm learning, right, about the way my child operates is different than the way I operate. I'm a processor. Listen, I got a podcast. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about everything. You want to sit down? Come on. Let's have a conversation. And he's like, I just need some space to like he needs his individual processing time. Not a he's not a verbal mm -hmm. processor. He's a in his head processor. You know, um, and then he'll come back. But it can't be when I'm like, let's set this appointment yeah. and let's meet at this time tomorrow. It can't be so structured as I want it to be. It comes he comes back right. and like you know in random moments on the way to school we're eating we're watching TV and then like he'll just start talking about something I'm like oh this is the moment this is the moment. But I can't right. be like let's pause the movie and talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> it has right, to no, be no, like no, in this no, very no. like yeah. laxed way and you know I'm, I'm learning it's like how do we be observant about and then also once I'm observant I'm like oh it sounds like you need sounds like you need time to process 
So you should make that request and just say, hey, mom, not right now. Can I come back? Can we talk about this tomorrow? I'm like, so if you just give me that, then I can respect that boundary, but you're not articulating the boundary. So I have to try to also still help him be like, oh, it sounds like you need this. Is that what you need? Right. (laughs) Ask for it. Yeah, and I think that's and I think that you're bringing such a good point. And again, that just goes back to practicing is helping get the more tools we give our children, the better. That's with anything, right? So if your child is uh, struggling with emotional regulation, what are tools that we help um, to give our children to help regulate their emotions? And some tools will work, and some tools won't. But it's about being con- when you find the tool, being consistent with that tool. And I think it's the same thing with boundaries: is helping our children to have boundary language right helping them to be able to feel comfortable with articulating you know some people call it boundary phrases you know whatever however you want to word it um but i think when you help children to be able to say that and to give them the tools to communicate it um, the more comfortable they are with vocalizing and being able to clearly articulate and that's going to be key you know when they're with their peer group is for them to feel like, you know, I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. I know for me, like a part of my healing journey, when I've gone through seminars or in therapy, it's not that I didn't know what was going on. It's just sometimes being in spaces where people can put words to, you know, to what I was feeling and thinking is like, yes, that, that (laughs) is the thing that I wanted to say. So sometimes when we give our, our children and teens, those tools that it helps them to have the confidence when they get in front of their peer group um, to be able to say the thing that they really mm-hmm. want to say um, is so, so important, especially in that, you know, we talk about romantic relationships, um, you know, having the language to support them around saying no and also mm-hmm. saying yes. Like sometimes setting boundaries is also about being clear about the things you want to say mm-hmm. yes to. And so maybe you're saying no to this, but one of the things I ask, you know, young teens is like, also, what are some things you want to say yes to? What are some things you want to be intentional about inviting into your life? Because that's a boundary, too. We always focus on the no boundary. Like, it's always the negative. And no doesn't mean negative. But it's like, how can we also focus on, like, this is a boundary. Like, this is something that I want in my life. And this is what I'm requesting of you. This is my request. Yeah, this is what I'm requesting. This is my request. This is something I wanna I wanna bring in. So it's like if you think of that fence, right? And you say the limit is and you you're able to open up the fence, you can say, wow, when I look at what I need for me to be my best self, there are some things, there are some people that I do actually want to invite in. Um, that's gonna help me to to live. Like I say yes to exercise, right? That's a boundary of mine, is that I say yes to my ability to exercise. And I say no to things that come into my life that prohibit me from being able to prioritize exercise. So exercise is something that I say um, yes to. So I think helping teens, so it doesn't feel like for them that it's just no, 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 but it's also like, what are also some of the things that we wanna say yes to? So I wanna say yes to a healthy relationship. I wanna say yes to a partner who honors my body. Right. Exactly. Right. So having those two worlds for teens, I think, is really important for them as they begin to set those boundaries, because people are going to cross them, especially our our black youth, black and brown youth in school. You know, teachers sometimes will cross um, the boundary line. 
Um, administrators will, can, can cross the boundary line. And so again, helping our students to feel like they have a good support, that they know that they got team somebody that's coming, um, that's gonna you know be with them. And sometimes too with students with setting boundaries, it's also good to help them to know what their rights mm -hmm. are, mm -hmm. right? Um, is another practice of just saying, this is what people can do and what people can't do. This is what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. Yeah, that's so important. And you're right about, you know, it is back to school and that's why we wanted to have this conversation, right? And we know, we've talked about it before on the podcast, just about the statistics around school push out and how black children are more likely to be expelled, you know, three times more likely to be suspended or expelled than their white counterparts. And a lot of that has to do with the implicit bias, right? that exists within the mm -hmm. school system. Um, and so even with that, like how do we support, how do we support our young people, black young people, children, youth, who are in these spaces where, um, you know, the adults in those spaces are not respecting them as humans, period, right? Like their humanity is not seen or felt <clears throat> at all. And then on top of that, when our young people try to create boundaries, when they're already being pushed out for just doing regular kid things. And then on top of that, for them to be like, mm -hmm. no, I don't accept this, or this is what I request, or, you know, um, like, how do we how do we support them in doing that in systems that don't actually even want them to thrive? And then how do we mm -hmm. support them, you know, as backup, as the parents? Yeah. I mean, one of the, the things that I, I like to tell parents and, you know, even educators, and for that matter, who are in those spaces, um, is I like to, for me, like I, I go up to the school and when I meet the teachers, I let them know who I am um, and let them know that I am team, you know, indigo right. and citizen. Um, and to let them be very clear about how I'm parenting them. Um, so an example of that is once we went to a school um, for port card and you know, my child is someone that speaks her mind and, you know, says how she feels. Um, and so the teacher started to go into talking about, like, all the things that Indigo wasn't doing, right? And, you know, when I ask her to do things, you know, she does it, but I often feel like she wants to have dialogue about it. So she's going in and in and in. And I stopped her and I was like, I'm going to stop you. We've now sat down for 10 minutes and we've talked about all the things that my daughter is not. And when I'm sitting here and I'm looking at her, I am seeing a healthy, a whole productive human being. So I have no problems with talking about her improvements, but I first want to talk about her assets and her strengths and how beautiful this light is that's sitting here. And then we can talk about it. So I flipped the narrative for her so that she could understand who Indigo has right next to her. Right. So that was very clear after that. She and I had a different relationship. Right. After that, when she knew, oh, that's your mama. <laughs> that's that's who that's who but your mama also, is. Yes, also, why are you talking that, about that this is... stuff about my baby as if these are negative things? Like, oh, she wants to have a dialogue about right, your right, request. Right. Oh, isn't that lovely? Right. I'm, I'm so proud of her for wanting to have a dialogue about yeah. it. Like, you're naming these things as if they're problematic, and they're not. They're not yep. at all. She's advocating yep. for herself. I'm. I would have been like, good job, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the teacher would have been so thrown. <laughs> like, yeah, right. So I mean, you know, when our when our teachers and our you know administrative because they've been taught under the system, right? right? If we right. look at how society and it's not just teachers, it's you know 
most of us in society have come to look at Black youth um, in a very negative light. And so that then impacts how we enter into community right. with them. Um, it impacts how we see them. Um, and then when we see them being able to set boundaries and to say no, it brings up our insecurities. It brings up you know, the way that we've been told that Black children should comply and Black children you know, should be seen and not heard. You know, when you go into schools, um, especially in the North, you know, I've been in the, they turn the lights down and young people have to walk in single file lines up against the wall. And, you know, it's better that the classrooms are quiet. And it's like, again, you know, not having laughter not having young people to talk and to think and to critically, to critically think and to ask questions. Those are all things that have been really pushed down um, as a result of, you know, systemic racism, you know, colonial ideology that continues to cause harm into our, our school. So it's not just teachers, it's in the environment that we are being raised Absolutely. in. So I think for parents, it's just, for me as a parent and for me who, who does this work, I think a part of it is you know, again, knowledge is power mm -hmm. um, and having that body knowledge and having for our children to know the ability of what's going on, right? So that they can spot racism themselves. They can spot um, when those um, forms of oppression are showing up and to know that sometimes like you don't always have to advocate. If you feel like this is too much for you and the teacher is screaming or they're not respecting your boundary, like I said, it's okay for you to be quiet. Just know that when you come home, we can talk mm -hmm. about it. Because sometimes we don't want to put our children in harm's way because they are children and they don't need to feel the weight of that on their shoulders by themselves. Right. So, you know, sometimes I tell, you know, my youngest son, if you stated your boundary and a peer doesn't respect it or your teacher doesn't respect it, you can just tell them, excuse me, I have an emergency and I need to call home and they have to give you that right. Um, and then you can go and call me and then he knows I'm coming. Right. That's all right, that's good and important. That's an important Because tip. to go to go with back an and forth, back yeah. battling, with, it's not gonna, it's never gonna be not good for, for the you. kids, exactly. So just, not for the child. So just teaching your child to know, I got your back. If you stated it, it's not respected, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, cool, cool, no worries. <laughs> I'm just gonna call my mom. Listen, so my kid be nervous to call mom. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like, he'd be like, I he'd mean, be like, Ma, what nervous, you gonna do? What know. you gonna say? I'd be like, I'd be like, don't right. worry about yeah, it. Right, I got right. it. We, it's good. You good. I said, I when it. you go yeah, to school tomorrow, good. you gonna be good. I'm sending, listen, yeah, I'm sending my emails right. right now and I'm CCing all the people that need to be CC'd. Tell me the situation. Right. And, you know, and I've definitely had to do right. that. And I 100% agree with like letting people know who you are, who you are in this child's life, that this child comes represented. Um, that there is a representative right. <laughs> that will show up um, and hold you accountable to this child's boundaries, to their humanity, to their rights, to their voice, to their yeah. power. And I, you know, I do my every, I just literally sent the email yesterday. Um, mine's is in a, oh, upper grades now. So I'm like, oh, do I, do I still send these emails? It's like my annual back to school email where I'm like, hi, let me introduce you to this incredible human. Here are their strengths. 
Right. Here's what they're incredibly good at. Yeah. Here's some of the areas that yeah. they struggle in. This yeah. is the ways that you can support them. Here's what I recommend. Did you also know, here's some research about the experiences of black boys in schools. Here's some links. And I'm like, legit, I need you to read these links to understand, like, you are teaching a black boy, and this is what statistically happens to them, and this is what we're not going to do. And here's yeah. who I am. And so, I, I mean, yeah, I've shared that email. I think it's in my book. Um I'm like, take it and edit it the way you want for you and your babies. Um, but, yeah, we have to let yeah. people know early who we are. Yeah. And not only, like, for our for our individual exactly. child, but also just to for all of our community, for, our, for community members to know that, you know, I not only love, you know, for my children, but I also am a, a child advocate, and I advocate for all exactly. children. And so when I see injustice, when I see things aren't being done, uh, right, I'm going to say exactly. something and I'm going to allow my voice to be heard to the best of my ability because, you know, I stand on the shoulders of mighty, mighty resistors, mighty builders. Um, and so I have to say something. I'm called to say mm. something. And so I think for parents, I think one of the things that we remember is that it's not just your mm -hmm. child. Um, that your child is in community with people. And so as we think about and talk about boundaries and talk about space, that it's not just about you, but it's also how do we support, you know, maybe your children's mm -hmm. friends, right? So having a conversation about boundaries with your children's friends, having a conversation about boundaries with your child's partner, right? So sitting down at the table and being like, yo, what do you think about boundaries? How do you respect boundaries? Um, you know, what are your core values? And so that that partner knows like, oh, snap, like this mom here or this dad or auntie or whoever is in the house, like, we're, they're having conversations about this. And so this also helps me to hold me accountable um, to when I hear my partner set these boundaries. Um, so I think that, you know, as we sit down and be like, okay, you know, I'm not only going to have this conversation with my children, but I'm going to invite my mm -hmm. children's friends to come over. Um, and we're going to all have this conversation about boundaries because again, from my experience, it saved my life. Um, and I see the ways that it has saved other people's lives. Marriages, right, have been broken up because of a lack of boundaries in the home. Um, so for me, it's so important for us to have the conversations, for teachers to have boundaries, because um, often teachers' boundaries are often violated and disrespected. And so working with educators, too, to help them to be able to set healthy boundaries in the classroom is important mm. too you know you said so many great things and i agree in terms of you know just that village mindset like we can't only be in the schools rooting for our own babies right because then that's not in alignment. that you know at least that's not in alignment with my values about like it's about the collective right it's about the we um right. and so so important for us to be doing this in community with other folks and 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 there's so many parents who don't have the capacity to show up at school and to be there. You know, they work jobs that don't allow them that freedom. And so it's right. like, I'm showing up. Yes. And if I see something happening with your babies too, I'm if I'm at the school, I'm here for all of these babies. Because I know, you know, when one of yeah. our ships sinks, all of our ships sinks. And when all of our ships rise, we yep. all rise. And so... And we so, all yeah. rise. And that's why Creative Practices was formed is because of that. Is because 
you know, we all need safe spaces where we can come together and talk about healing and self-care and talk about trauma and how it manifests in the body, where we can talk about race and racism, where we can talk about shame. Um, we can talk about what do we do when harm has been caused and how do we repair that harm? How do we build community? Um, and we need to open up spaces where all people have access to that, where people have an opportunity to deal with grief and loss and the ways that grief and loss um, impacts us both individually and within our community. So, you know, that is one of the major reasons why uh, Creative Praxis was even formed is because that we is so important. My liberation is tied to your liberation and your liberation is tied mm -hmm. to mine. Yes, it is. Ashe, Ashe. Um, I do want to ask you one more question before we close. And I okay. do, and I was remiss yeah. to not acknowledge what you shared earlier. Um, given the work that I do in my own personal experiences, I did want to affirm um, the power of your no in that situation where you were a, a teenager walking in that very unsafe environment and just wanted to affirm mm -hmm. your mom <laughs> in this moment. Um, Cause even the training that she did with you, right? When I think about, she was preparing you for things that she didn't know or foresee, but she was preparing you to be able to have that power of your no. And I know so many black parents mm -hmm. are often trying to prepare our children for things that might be scary or hard or racial trauma or terror or, you know, even the potential of like being threatened by violence or, you know, kidnapping or all of those things. Like we're all afraid for our children. Right. And so some of us mm -hmm. in our fear, I appreciate your mother because in her, you know, in her concern about your well-being, she prepared you to say no. Right. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, I think we as black folks, because of all of that trauma and fear, um, we have relied on teaching our children to like follow orders, comply you know, listen, quiet, be, you know, don't be too loud, you know, tuck, hide yourself, right? Like shrink, shrink right, yourself yeah. as a means of survival. Um, and what I appreciate is that your mother took you out and had you scream at the top of your lungs. No, right? Resistance mm -hmm. as your means of for survival. Um, and so I know in our work, you know, we're trying to support folks and like shifting from parenting from fear to parenting towards liberations mm -hmm. and we acknowledge that the fears are actually legitimate it's not like we're making them up like no it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff yeah, out yeah. there trying to you know come for us and our babies and so i'm curious mm -hmm. you know as we think about you know the work that you do is for liberation you created creative practice for liberation creative praxis for liberation um just thinking about that um you know what are some strategies that you recommend um, or, you know, you want to lift up in terms of strategies for liberation, you know, boundary setting for liberation um, and how do we create these boundaries and address the fears that we have as parents, but also create the opportunities for our children to live more freely and not also be living for fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really great, um, <laughs> a really great question. Um, you know, I, 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 first of all, I, I fear is real, and one of the mindfulness practices that we use at CP is just like, this is a moment of fear, and fear is a part of life. Mm. May I be kind to myself, Ooh, right? That so again. that, that you know, we. So this is a moment of fear. Fear is a part of life. May I be kind to myself. That's a, a, a mindfulness tool, and it's not mindfulness, excuse me, a um, self-compassion tool um, that allows us to, when those emotions come up, to say, okay, 
you know, fear is a real emotion. And based on the history um, of black people and brown people in this country, that fear is grounded in reality. Um, and some of the fear that we are holding on to is, you know, fear that has been passed down um, and that's still housed inside of our bodies. Um, and so some of that fear is real and some of it is perceived, but no matter what it's in us, it's there. And so we first acknowledge it and to know you're not crazy or it's not silly. Um, we have legitimate fears. I think the, the next step though is to go beyond the fear. And I think that's where courage comes in. So courage is not saying that I'm not fearful. It's saying that, you know, um, I have the ability to move beyond that fear to doing something that I know is necessary for myself and for my family and my community. So I think, you know, as we talk about, you know, parenting for liberation and, and moving beyond um, the fear space, I think some of that is, you know, giving ourselves permission to reflect and to notice where am I right now? How am I feeling? What do I need? What is my body saying? And slowly allowing ourselves to process. It doesn't happen overnight, right? It's not like, oh, like meditation and all that stuff. It doesn't, you know, it's a process. So giving ourselves grace to be able to, um, to, to start to notice, right? Like, where am I? How do I feel to have that moment of reflection? Um, for me, is about liberation. And then the next step is really about being able to take actions um, to, to the world that I want to see, that I want to see my children create, that I, that I want to see for my children, right? So being able to have those moments where I can reflect, who am I? You know, what does my body need? Taking that moment to heal and reflect both with myself and with others and then how do we build collective and individual action to build that world in which we want to see? And that means that we're going to have to ask critical questions. It means that we're going to have to sit and reflect on the role that nature plays, right? And what we're eating in that reflection and how our bodies are being whole. And what does wholeness mean? And then after that, how do we then create a plan and a pathway that's going to lead us towards that wholeness for the, for the, you know, the, the greatness of us, the greatness of each other and the land that we're on. So for me, that's what I think about. And practical tools again for that is, you know, opening up the space for your young person to, you know, have more moments where we turn off the television and we go outside and we get inside of our bodies and we ask questions like, what do you notice? What do you feel? What do you think? Right, where we ask our students or our, our children to think about things, you know, ask them questions, help young children to ask questions. So my mom, again, love my mother, but one of the things that when I used to go with her to meetings, she used to give us $5 if at the end of the meeting we can come up with three critical questions. And she used to tell us when you walk into a meeting, you always make sure that you have questions that you want to be answered. Never allow people to dictate the meeting, but you go in with where you want the meeting to go. 
So again, that's a part of noticing, asking questions, noticing what you need, ask questions, being there. So taking moments like that with your child where you can sit down with them and reflect. What do you notice about yourself? What do you notice about what's happening? What are questions that are burning inside of you? How do we get the answers to those questions? Mm-hmm. What is your body needing? Nutrition, da, 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 water, like... Um, and then the next part of it is working with your child to create plans of action. Mm-hmm. And that's on an individual level, but it should, in my opinion, it should also be on a systemic level. So we're working with our young people not only to think about their individual progress, but what is the systemic progress that we need to make? Because like you said, if this ship goes down, we all go down together. As a planet Earth, we all Listen. go down. Are we drought out? That's what we gonna do. <laughs> oh, we oh yep, oh, or or something. And I think just to end it, one of the things that I think is so important with parenting, um, and I know we didn't really get a chance to talk about it, but I think that's why having that sacred space or a place in your house where you can mm-hmm. go. As a parent, I just encourage parents to do this, where you can center your own self, put the mask on yourself first. So get a spot in your house, clear it out. It could be a closet. It could be a desk where you create just sacred space where you have one thing that gives you comfort, one thing that connects you to your ancestry, your culture, your identity, and one thing that is beautiful to you, something that brings awe, that reminds you of the beauty of this life. And, you know, you can put other things on there that you would like that just a moment, a space that is just yours where you can sit down in front of it and have a moment to mm-hmm. breathe. Because as we talk about parenting for liberation, I, I encourage parents to first make sure that you're mm-hmm. centered. Because if you're not centered, if you don't have time for to breathe yourself, to take moments for yourself, we cannot pass that on to our children. So if people are listening today, tomorrow, find mm-hmm. a spot, a place, a room, you know, a desk (laughs) and creates a sacred space that's just for you that can remind you that of your groundedness, remind you of your culture, your identity, that you come from a people, a place. um, And then something, like I said, that brings you a sense of awe. Mm. Um, And then take moments throughout the day to just go back to that place to center yourself. And your children will see you do that and to see the way you're constantly coming back to your centering, your notice, your grounding. Ashe. I definitely have that spot, but I will admit on live loud, like I haven't been using it as much. So thanks for the reminder to go back. It's um, my little little closet space. Um, It's like Mm -hmm. a little personal altar with my journal and my candles and I used to do it every day after I like kind of bathed. I would like sit there and like lotion, oil, shea butter, and like just as I was doing that, affirming myself, and then I would reflect, you know, light a candle, all the things. It was just a beautiful thing, and I've mm-hmm. gotten out of that ritual. And so, how do we create those yeah. those rituals? And it's not just one time a day, as you said. You can come to it a couple of times or as you need. And so, thanks for that reminder. Yeah. Thanks for that reminder. Yep, and you know, and we give ourselves grace. Sometimes we'll come in, sometimes we'll come out. But to know that it's there when you need it is also really, really, really powerful just to have. And you know, as we talk about boundaries and setting them, so you know, maybe we put 
the I have a B on mine on my altar that reminds me of it's okay for you to set boundaries, Nia. And it's okay if people don't understand them. It's okay if people say, well, then I don't want to be your friend. That's okay, That's okay too. Um, but you do this because you, you have to be in a good relationship with yourself yes. and the land and others. And yeah. so that's so important. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me, us, that are listening, that our first relationship that we must maintain and is with ourselves. We, we can't be nothing for nobody, not even our babies, if we're not taking care of ourselves. Yep. And, and, and that's literally why that's the first pillar of our work. And it's always good when I have folks to remind me and to reflect that back to me. Um, and also, I'm sure, to the audience who's listening. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for this time. I really enjoyed talking with you. Let oh, folks know where yes. they can find you and your work. Yes. Yeah, so um, for those of us who, those of you who are interested, Creative Praxis, we do trainings all over the world. Um, we're based in Philadelphia, but we travel everywhere. We train on things like trauma healing, restorative practice, community building, boundaries. Um, and so you can reach us at creativepraxis.org. Um, you can also go to info at Creative Praxis to, um, to find us. And then if you follow us on Instagram, it's Praxis for Liberation. Um, and you can see some of the amazing work that we're doing. But also you can reach out and say, hey, can you come to our school? We are an art space organization. So this is going to be interactive where people are going to be up and doing and feeling. But again, you can go to creativepraxis.org and learn more about what we're doing and um, how you can stay in this um, uh, family, the Creative Praxis family. Yes, check them out. Such incredible work. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your experience and um, these tools around boundary setting with us. It was really important as we go back to school. Thank you so much. So I just have a question for you. I have my um, one of the trainers who's here. He's nine years old. And he knew that I was doing this, so we asked if he could stay and close out the community with um, three words that we say together. Yes, come on. Okay, come on, so, trainer. So he's gonna he's gonna come on and um, close out the way that we do our ritual at Creative Praxis. That comes from Baba Chuck Davis, who has since transitioned, but left us with uh, three powerful words. And he's just going to bless us um, as we close out because um, we can't talk about them without yes, them. Nothing about so, us without us. Here Let's we go. go. Peace, love, respect for everybody. Great. I say. Peace, <laughs> love, and respect for everybody. Thank you for that. For everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yes. Just trying to always include it. It's like, I want to stay because he helped me write up the notes and we talked about it. So it's important for us at Creative Praxis that we continue to train up our children in the way that they should go. Ashe. So, I'm so thank Ashe, you for so. inviting um, him into this space. Yes, yes, yes. All right, y'all. Bill, be well and look forward to building with you again. And this um, hopefully is a start to a wonderful, wonderful relationship and yes. partnership. Ashe, let's do it. All right, Ashe. have a good one. Okay. Let's do it. All right, bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting for Liberation. I hope something on this episode will inspire you on your parenting journey. Please like us on all social media at Parenting for Liberation. Until next time, let's get free, y'all.